It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. It is, of course, based on the 27 rules for influencers and leaders, available in hardcover, available in paperback, and of course, in the very platinum tones of of one Steve Noodleberg. Uh, It is the post-Super Bowl edition, Steve. You know what? What a week. What a week it was. Miami showed up pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. Weather was great except for Saturday night. Uh, aside of the weather. Right, Saturday night was... Saturday ooh, that afternoon, was, uh, evening. That was M tornado. <laughs> Outside of that, Miami represented, South Florida represented. You know, it was great. We got, uh, you know, interesting for me, the takeaway um, at this Super Bowl, which was different than any other, I got to spend some time with Coach Wanstatt, who's mm-hmm. a dear friend. And we had a breakfast event right on Thursday. We did a breakfast event with yep. him, which was amazing. We went to uh, honor Jim Kelly, uh, then I went. Uh, was involved with athletes in action mm-hmm. and did their um, breakfast Super Bowl sanctioned breakfast on Saturday morning, where they honored uh, the Bart Starr Award nice. was given to Eli Manning. Nice. And so I sat at the table next to the Manning family, mm-hmm. all the boys and Archie Cooper even came. A uh, Cooper was there. Even Cooper. And, and you know what? I mean, that's if that's not the first family of you first know, family football, football, they are. You know, um, so it was amazing. And and for me. The takeaway from all of these guys was not athletic. It was cerebral. Mm-hmm. The content that they were putting out about who they are, what they are, what happens when they're not wearing a uniform right. was so encouraging. And then Kirk Cousins just crushed it. Yeah, he was great. At the end saying, you know, he, he, he tells one story I'll tell real fast. Uh, uh, his When he walked on at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and this is relevant to our, our guest, um, when he walked on, uh, he was working out, and his the quarterback coach there said, um, hey, uh, what do you think the number one skill set you need to be a great quarterback? And Kurt, you know, uh, Cousins is going, I don't know, you know fast feet, feet, you know, strong arm, Quick release. all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dave Warner was the guy's name, said, uh, no, you need to be a great decision maker. Uh-huh. And then he tied that to what it's like to be a man in life and be a great decision maker. So, uh I found the content great. Strong accord with takeaways. Yeah. Coach Wanstatt was amazing. So it was fun. It was great. You know, honored some great people doing great things. Hey, man, I was at Super Bowl events and parties all week, and I got to tell you, um, I can't tell you how many times somebody said, oh, your boy Steve. And I said, which one? And they said, Nudie. <laughs> Noodle. <laughs> Noodleberg. This thing's growing, dude. But I'm saying that I can't tell you how many times from events Tuesday night through Saturday night, somebody that I wasn't sure whether they're talking Pulitzer or you or someone else say, oh, I just saw your boy. Where's your boy? Which was Steve. And I said, which one? And Noodleberg, Nudes, Noodles. All the, <laughs> and I, so, so you were very you were very popular with people that were approaching me to ask about where you were. Very cool. So yeah. good on you. Introduce us to your guest today, please, for this John. Ra- we saw John Randall last week. Yeah, we saw John Randall, Ken, and, and the uh, so wait, Super Bowl Radio Row. A lot less imposing on Radio Row than he was on the field. Weird, though. He's been on the league for a long time, and yet he's still got, where's the uh, eye makeup? He's got to get the black <laughs> the black uh, eye uh, all over his face. So yeah. our guest is a very large fellow, 
for for those that are <laughs> watching on Facebook, you yeah. can see those who are listening. But um, this is what's so great about life. We were both asked to author a chapter in a book called Standing O. Mm-hmm. Our fr- a mutual friend Scott McGregor said, "Hey, I want you to meet Rob Thompson." We we had one dialogue yeah. on the phone. It might have been Zoom, maybe just a phone call that lasted. 45 minutes or an hour, we were best friends ever since. And so he's an entrepreneur, uh, an ex-football player, so he understands the value of teamwork, camaraderie, loyalty, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm thrilled that you're visiting Florida. This yeah. is your first stop. So. We're, we're here. Yeah. Senior Director, Athletic Development, <coughs> excuse me, University of New Haven, yeah. Rob Thompson. People yeah. get excited thinking that the Matchbox 20 singer showing up and then <laughs> you have to say, no, it's Thompson. I wish I had his money. You and I both. Yeah. Well, you, know what? you don't wait at restaurants, though. Yeah. Don't That's forget. ridiculous. You know, even Kid Rock sang about making Matchbox 20 money. Yeah. Remember, they used to, you know, they used to call him dummy when his nose was runny. Now he's blanking Playboy bunnies making Matchbox 20 money. Yeah. So Rob Thomas must have made some real money if Kid Rock's singing about how much money he got. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's funny because um, I used to work with a guy, Chris Martin. So everybody would say, hey, Chris Martin, Rob Thomas. And they'd see us two walking in and they're like, well, you know, if we get too close, we'd start a grease fire. You know, we're at the same size. <laughs> you know, and they're like, you guys don't look like him. You, you, look like, you look like you play a little football. A long time ago. I don't even know if it happened anymore. It was so long ago. Yeah. But yeah. you did play for the New England. Well, Patriots. so here, here's my, this is my, I was telling your son, I have a couple Forrest Gump moments in my life. And this, right. was, this was one of them. So... Coming, I grew up in Connecticut, and and um, you know University of New Haven is my alma mater. But the University of New Haven, there's a big tie back with the Miami Dolphins. If you did not know, mm-hmm. um, so it, 17 years old, I was a prop 48 kid. I was going to go to Naval Academy, couldn't get in. There you go. So I had dyslexia, so still do, and uh, I did awful in school. So I was a non-predictor. University of New Haven back then uh, was kind of like a big junior college. So a guy walks into my house, a little Italian guy, line coach. It was Tony Sperano. Tony Sperano, God rest his soul. Yeah, God rest his soul. So he came in, recruited me, saying, "This, I'm, I'm your only shot, kid." And uh, he turned me. <laughs> yeah, he said like, I, he told you, "I'm your only, I'm shot. only shot." This is it. You got New Haven, or you got to go. You know, I don't know where else you're gonna go. Here's your options, kid. It's me or none. That's it. So you know, wow. I was a, I was an all American in high school and. Uh, and then I went to University of New Haven, kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it. And I started, you know, I played 44 games. I became an All-American, and, and I signed with the Patriots out of college. And I didn't even see it coming. And I met my wife there for 30 years. We have four kids. So life happens mm-hmm. for a reason, what we talked about before. Yeah, you said. Before yeah, we started put rolling. people in the room. Yeah. It does, yeah. Pay attention to the people around you. Pay attention to those circumstances because the right. universe will oftentimes give you the ingredients and it's relying upon you to locate them, combine them, and make the meal because it knows what you're supposed to be serving. Amen. Um, so dyslexia. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise kind of became the, wait a minute, so this is a real thing? You know, but when we were in school, teachers didn't know. No, no clue. And, and they didn't work with and they just figured, and, and kids didn't know that this was a real thing. Right. And so they just gave up on you as a student yeah. or, or as a student, you gave up on yourself. Yeah. Well, you just didn't know. Because I mean, they, they, they didn't right. know that I mean, there were was. Kids, That's right. But there were kids who were on the spectrum. You always said, look at this weirdo. Yeah. But, right. You know, they were on the spectrum. But they just weren't, you know. Dyslexia, you don't have that. So you're not kind of put into that category of is he autistic? What's mm-hmm. wrong with it? You're not. No. You just don't pay attention. You're right. looking right. out the window because right. you're kind of giving up yeah. on right. absorbing information. You can't memorize things as much. Mm-hmm. So and school is based on memorization, right? So. Um, so for me, I didn't find out until I got to New Haven. I had to take one class. I had to take a math class, and it basically was writing on 
if I don't get in, I don't get my scholarship mm. and I'm going to the service. So I went to this class. The first, it was an aptitude test. There was seven other nitwits sitting in the class too. We had to take it. The title to think the test was, how much of a moron are you? You know, Come on. No, I don't know. Yeah. So that so I came out. They took still the, give that test, by the yeah, way. Right. So I, I, anyways, I took the test. The professor, who was probably my age, came back the next week and said, I'm going to give you a series of numbers right now. I wrote them down. And she goes, you got dyslexia. No one even diagnosed no one knew it. Was. And I said, no. Yeah. So she goes, I can help you. And she did. And she showed me how to kind of close off one side of your brain and how it all works. And it's all a bunch of mush, but um, it saved me academically. I did fine and the rest is history. And I, and I, and it goes back to, you know, if, if everything else worked out, I don't know if it would have worked out any better because I don't know if I didn't start right away, I would have stayed with it. You know, it just everything kind of fell into place there. And coach Barano was the one who, who really got me wow. to that point. And then, Hired me as a coach when I was done playing. I left Europe. We were, we were done playing. We played 22 games in one season. And he hired me to come into Boston University. He was the offensive coordinator there. And I uh, coached for him. And, and the kid who was our center was Dave DeGugliamo, who was the line coach here at the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. How about Gooch. that, man? Yeah, old Gooch. And uh, the strength and conditioning coach was um, Chucky Doyle, Chris Doyle, who's now the strength and conditioning coach of Iowa, who's the highest paid strength and conditioning coach. Nice. And then Darren Rizzi. So Riz was a New Haven guy. Kenny's so, shaking his head. He knows all. You know all these Ken guys. Ken knows them all. I know yeah. all these guys from. I covered the Dolphins when Tony Sperano was yeah. head coach. Right. They were all on his yeah. staff. He's a beautiful human being. And yep. Yeah, we miss him dearly. He he made a huge impact. So this weekend we're back. So everybody that played for him in the eighties and nineties, he he took the smallest Division two team to the national championship. Wow. Yeah, in, in in North Alabama, and he's a you know there was twenty five guys that went, made it to the NFL from that era. Really? You know, we, had, we had eight eight seniors, and five of us went to the NFL. Wow. But we got all the New York City nitwits, all the kids from Jersey, all the kids, you know, and that's what it was. You had all this raw talent there that, you know, college coaches aren't flying north, right? College no. football coaches aren't flying no. north. Right. But there's a ton of talent in that area that's just on tap. So New Haven at that time was, was there. So, I mean, we played Central Florida at the Citrus Bowl homecoming. They were number one in the country. We're number 10 in Division Two. They were one to play. We went down there and beat them 35-17. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it was a different time. So this weekend in Boca, we are having a 100-year anniversary, and we're announcing we're going Division One. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah. They, so we're going to join the NEC conference, which is like Division Three, but we give scholarships. So with, before yeah. there was a last chance, you, yeah. in effect, you guys kind of were. We were it. We were we the were original. like a, we were like a junior college mm-hmm. because there's not one in the Northeast. You know, if you're a Division One guy, you don't qualify. Where do you go? Mm-hmm. Everywhere else in the country, you, you, there's places. There's JUCOs. There's no JUCOs up there. Understood. Yeah. So. All right. So, so your life was changed by a single act of kindness. It yeah, says right here. That was it. That was the story. It was that one person who changed my life, yep. who took a chance, who paid attention, and uh, the rest is history. So, I got out of college. I got a coaching. The, excuse me yeah. for interrupting, but th- that happens in football a lot, all the time. I mean, blindside is yeah. you know that kind of kindness. There was uh, at the Super Bowl events I was at. There was. Two producers I heard who were producing similar type movies with those kind of stories. Yeah, uh, there was a guy that played uh, that actually played for the Chiefs that seven years ago was slinging beer yeah. at the concession stand, and now he played at Carroll City, and now you know. So somebody pays attention. You know, and if that's not the the reason to be kind, what what, what is you? And you have to be willing to open your mind to that too, yeah. right? So you can't. 
you know, so I was, you know, it was kind of you're in a place of someone help me, but you don't know how to ask for help. And it's like being an entrepreneur, the same thing. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this rut. Somebody help me, but who do I ask? Right. Until they meet, you know, noodles. <laughs> and yeah, Steve. Yeah. And there Steve. is always me. There is. So so what did football teach you about uh, about business as you prepared for life after the game? There's always tomorrow. You know, you might lose that game today, and I'll never forget it. You work so hard for those 10 to 12 games, and sometimes you get knocked down. Even though you don't deserve to lose that game, you lose it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you win games, you, you shouldn't be winning. But there is a tomorrow, and tomorrow will always come. You know, so the, in business, is exactly the same thing. And I always thought at the lowest moments of my career, or lowest moments of how do I make payroll tomorrow? Which we've all been there, by Everybody. the way. Every entrepreneur yeah. I know has had that. Yeah. I'm staying up two, three nights in a row because I can't figure out how people are getting paid on Friday. Right. You know, which, which is real. And that's, you know, you, you, that's a choice that people make. You know, it's interesting because it does happen in sports. Yeah. I wonder what Kyle Shanahan is thinking this week because all anybody's talking about is twice he had it and let it go. That's the you know sort of the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but also remember, he wasn't the cat throwing those balls. Right. He wasn't on the field, well, yeah. you know, unable to execute. Right. Or when the Chiefs had rose to the occasion. But we get on the narrative because it becomes convenient. Yeah. It's an easy narrative for us to grab to. And as we often discuss, we live in this cancel culture. We live in the age of debate, right? I mean, how many television sports commentary shows are there now for just people to argue and scream and yell at each other? That's the whole basis of the ESPN model. Then Fox copied right. it right. with uh, their, you know, first Sunday whatever. for 12 hours, and there were people yelling at each other. Yelling at each other. <laughs> so like, I, oh. know, I know that when I go to Twitter, you know, for the radio show, I'm not asking the question, um, you know, who's most to credit for the Chiefs win last night? Because that'll get medium engagement. Who's most to blame for the Niners collapse? Right. Now I'm getting oh, engagement. Boom, 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 because boom. that's the Richard age in which we back. live. We don't want to lift up and praise what a great job, what a wonderful. Instead, we want to say he sucks, he's overpaid, who's most overrated. So, so to your point, Rob, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, th- there's none of that. That chatter is going on in your own head. Yeah. You know, is it my fault? Is it something I did? What could I have done better? I mean, the second guessing that, you know, for my career, everything I've done every day, including today, you, you make decisions mm-hmm. that you live by and whether they're good or bad. I love the fact that there's always another day. There's always something else coming. Oh, and sometimes it's the things you don't do that turn out to be the best things rather than the things you do. I think the hardest part was because I went in and out. So I went into entrepreneurship right away, right? Started my own business. Then I went to corporate America. I worked for the NFL for 10 years running all their youth development programs. Mm -hmm. Then I went back into arena football, you know, (laughs) then I went to work for Disney and Radio Disney. Is arena football back again? No, no. There's all the variations. Actually, that was the most fun that I ever had. Oh, it was really was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Wasn't uh, Dave Baker the commissioner? He was the best. He's a huge human being. I just saw him on Wednesday. He looks yeah. like Andre the Giant. Oh my God, he's, he's enormous, sweaty, and just <laughs> massive. It's he's just... the Hall of Fame guy. For those who don't know, yeah, he is. he's the one that knocks on the hotel doors yeah. and says congratulations on behalf right. of yeah the right. Pro Football Hall of Fame, Kent, Ohio. And then everybody cries and they hug it. He's an enormous human being. And so he, Michelle, he's the <laughs> nicest human yeah. being too. But Michelle's son yeah. graduated from uh, Malone University, which plays their football. At Canton on the field, on the Hall of Fame, and so he did the college commencement yeah. and got to meet him. 
Yeah. So while he was doing something non-football related, yeah. and the first thing I said was, "That's an enormous." Arena thing. League was great. They just they ceased operations yeah. literally two months ago. Yeah. Is that right? They just yeah. announced that they had okay. to fold up two months ago. I mean, I remember Arena League from like when the Hooters guys were involved. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. know that were one of the ba- original. It's more yeah. than twenty-five you know? years. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in Albany, and Albany was a great market for it. The old Albany Firebirds. At the so. uh, Pepsi Center. At Pepsi Arena. <laughs> yeah, well, you're in New York, guy. I know Albany a little bit. Right. And then the Egg there, the, uh, yeah. the performance center. That's right. The Egg. But uh, we're way off yeah. course where we were a moment ago. That's the best part about this. So you go, but when you go from corporate, I mean. That's a that's a transition boy. Yeah. From the corporate world, particularly with entities like the NFL or right. Disney, to saying, yeah. yeah, I don't know where my next paycheck coming from, but I'm just gonna bet on me. Yeah, you know what? I think it a lot of had to do with just finding out a lot about myself and I realized because we all have high level we all have anxiety in how we deal with it. Correct. Right. So how I what I realized about myself was my anxiety level, my stress was exactly the same, whether I worked for somebody that I hated, mm-hmm. work for somebody that I loved, hmm. or worked on my own. And then I realized that at what level of anxiety do I have the balls for, right? So, <laughs> right. right? So it, it just came down to that. So, um, and then it became, and my father said this one, to, one time to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, Rob, if you can't get over it, get under it, right? And it was wow. like, because you're sitting there, because he was a 35-year craft foods. He sold ice cream and food and for, for 35 years. It's a years. great gig. Great gig. But it's... But that's but it. The last thirty-five years in one company in sales, it was, it was amazing. In a big corporation like that, and I remember just bitching to him about a, a boss I had at the moment. He said, "If you can't get over it, get under it." And what do like you mean by thing. that? What, what do you mean by get under? Well, it's mental tough. And we talk about mental toughness as athletes, but mental toughness as an entrepreneur or what you're doing, it's it's being able to be take the higher road always, even if you know you're right. Sometimes you gotta just sometimes you gotta eat it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to be able to get over it. Choose yeah, your battles and move on. Just, yes. And sometimes that person is wrong. They are wrong, right? But proving your point doesn't always work. And it's, sometimes it's like that with a client, too. It's always like that. Right? It's, so, yeah. So sometimes you just got to get under it. What, what's interesting is when you work for brands yeah. like a craft or, yeah. in this case, the NFL. Yeah. You know, sometimes you relate to the, you know, the... The, that shield yeah. more than who you are. It's like, oh, I'm, uh, yeah. you know, I, I walk in and I'm with the NFL, right. and the fear of being outside of that shield. Yeah, and I've seen people have a hard time making mm-hmm. that transition because it's, you know, it's not who you are. You know, it's what you do. But for do. them, but for them, it becomes I'm so and so from so and so. Right, it becomes their identity. I work with ESPN. I work, mm. you know, and when you all mm. of a sudden you've married yourself to that identity, when in reality, people are making a decision on you. Yeah. Not that brand. You know, well, like, a lot of people that I worked with at the league, and because I was a former player, but I also was had an interest in business, right? They couldn't wait to tell people what they did for a living. Yeah. They could not wait to whip out their business I'm card. Sure, right? Right? So it's a sexy brand. <laughs> right. Yeah. And after after probably two trips on a plane with my little leather briefcase that had NFL logo you on it. You had the pigskin. And everybody, <laughs> yeah. And everybody asking me about it. I right. was like, ah, oh, man. Another bag. Yeah. Another bag. different bag. Well, Will, bag. Wilson made those, yeah. and they were really popular. Yeah. Those were, those were, were wallets and, and all Oh, I, I had luggage with them. <laughs> I, I wish I held I had on a to portfolio. Them. Yeah, the portfolios. Yeah, it was it was a gr- it was a great company to work for at the time, and we were right there at the right moment. I traveled all over the world with them. We had I have unbelievable, great stories and crazy stuff that happened. 
But the best experience was definitely working for Radio Disney and what we did there with with them and just the people we met and the impact that we had on people's lives and kids' lives and families' lives. Because, you know, I mean, at that time, we were just going digital. We had 32 markets that we had had to sell. I -hmm. went through all of that. And, um, you know, dealing with these guys at ESPN and my friends over there that all lost their jobs as well, the 250-something, we, we went down, 265 people got got sliced. That was that home. one day. Yeah. yeah that and, was and, and, you know, ago. and yeah. the thing about it is what a lot of people don't realize, but it was based upon our deferred um, stocks because there was hundreds of million dollars of deferred stocks that, that and, and it had to get paid out. Which is one of the yeah. reasons why people wow. go to be entrepreneurial yeah. and say, listen, I want to put the destiny in my own hand, yeah. not have it be the luck of the draw or because of this, sure. you know, or that, you know. And Granted, so, that, that every, you could make, you could become a millionaire working for a corporation oh, too yeah. in, in that regards, especially with the stock side of it, but mm-hmm. especially if you're on the revenue side, the only way to do it is if you're on the revenue side. So expound upon that, please, because a lot of folks listening to this are trying to find their way to retirement, if you will. Well, why on the uh, revenue side? Because you'll always have a job, you know, and the the money is always the top line. Right. So it's uh, if you could drive revenue for a radio station here or nationally or any business, you could drive revenue anywhere, 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 anytime. You'll never go hungry. That's what I told people. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting now when you and I know this is kind of flipping a little bit because I just talked about this on a podcast yesterday. They were talking about the name likeness and what am I missing there? Name likeness of uh, with college football players. Oh, no, it would be. Yeah, it would, it would be. It would be just Dane that. image and likeness. Image Dane, and likeness. It, it, right. Yeah. So and what, what the worth is. Or, yeah. Right. So they were asking me my opinion on that just because I'm in the college athletic space right now. I said, the, I think if the conversation changes from. We have to control it to how do we turn this into a learning experience on how to monetize your brand mm-hmm. for a college athlete? You know, I mean, influencers trying to do it. If you could do it, it's easier to do it on a um, licensing, selling licensed product because you can control it that way. But what what if we take all these Division One athletes, require them to take a personal branding course? I love that. Right? And then the money that they can make off of that is deferred until they graduate. Right, just like the military, ah, the military deferred. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. So if they do it that way, not only could they figure out how to create brand awareness, monetize their brand, distribute their image, right? So if they, if they, if you flip it around to an education piece of that, that's where people become a little bit more comfortable with this. Right. right? Well, you are in school theoretically to learn. Right. And I think that's the a perfect conversation about someone monetizing themselves this is who i am this is what my skill sets are right. why shouldn't i have fair market value and you know? you're turning everybody into an entrepreneur right. when they're 18 years old because they have this for sure so, so i think that is what i see happening i see um, a lot of these young kids that i mentor that come out of our sport management program that a lot of them are saying i want to work for a startup I want to be part, or have an idea, which is what your game plan. Well, yeah, game plan. Okay. Yeah. So he has a really cool model. So why don't you share? Yes. So game plan. You was started about five, four years ago when I started my podcast, Sports Biz Radio. Right. Sports and, Biz Radio. And the only reason why I started it because I wanted to hack into the decision makers. That's it. Because I was finding <laughs> everybody else out there doing podcasts. This is five, six years ago, and I said, well, I, there was. I was trying to do a deal with Univision. I think that was them. And I could not get through to Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And finally, I, and I was like, man, I'm going to tell him I got a podcast. And then, it, it, I mean, 20 emails later, phone calls. I wouldn't give up on him because I knew we, we were the ones that should have had that business. So I sent him an email. 
I said, I would love for you to be on the Sports Biz Podcast. Within two seconds, boom, absolutely. Yeah. Copied five people, set it up. Right. You uh, said yes to do this one. And I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even have a podcast. Yeah, I did. But why know. do you think Steve's doing this podcast? That's right. It's the irony of this. Yes, right. I know it. Right? The hack. It's the greatest hack. And uh, what, I, what I found out of that is, man, it gave me a little bit of a platform. And what, uh, I, what I realized, it, it, it attracted a certain person who was in the startup space. You know, it was sports business startups. It was career seekers that wanted to be in the sports industry. And that's when I wrote the book, How to Land a Dream Job If Your Dad Doesn't Own the Team. And it was just basically, how did I do this? You know, how to land a dream is the longest name ever for a book. If your dad doesn't own, own the, the team. team. But it's so true and so real. Yeah. You know, most people come out of school, they get that job with a team yeah. just to have the logo. They yeah. want to have that business card yeah. that we talked about. Oh, I, you know, they don't realize that they're working 90 hours and, you know, it, not making a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's really an education place to learn more, you know, than it is. And they're hitting. And what I'm finding is that uh, these kids are handcuffed because they're leaving with $100,000, $120,000, if not more. In, School debt. In debt. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a freshman moving into the dorm who's earning, you know, seven figures off of YouTube right. because they're reviewing uh, toys and Shirley Temples. Right. They're and there's a, girl, there's a girl in the dorm room across the hall, and she's making six figures because she's doing eyelashes and fit tea That's on right. Instagram. There's a kid that called me up from North Miami. You know, he called me up, and uh, he went to a very wealthy school, finds me on LinkedIn, said, Mr. Thompson, I'm a senior in high school. Wow. Right? And huh. my parents want me to go to college but I don't want to because I already have a business. I said, what are you doing? He's, I, he's a sneakerhead. He's flipping sneakers. Mm-hmm. And he goes, to some, he goes to some wealthy school here in North, uh, you know, in North Miami. And uh, I said, well, where they want you to go to school? Well, they both went to Florida State, mm-hmm. and they're both attorneys. And I'm like, oh, boy. Well, I gotta be careful what I say. I said, well, let me ask you. How much money are you making flipping sneakers? Yeah. It's about 30 grand. Uh-huh. I said, oh, a year? He goes, no, a month. I said, 30 a month. <laughs> right. So I said, so that's, that's what's happening, right? So to your point, that's what's happening. So um, I said to him. He's 17. Well, right. I said, well, think about how many kids go to Florida State. Think about all those new clients. Right. So he says, oh, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> really? Dad sends me an email. I'm like, oh, well, here we come. That's a thank you. Yeah. As a thank you, yeah. but I said, "Oh boy!" He was like, right, "My goes. mother, right. my mother." He goes, "My wife and I have been telling him this for a year now, Rob." <laughs> <laughs> but he needed to hear it from you. Yeah, for he had some to hear reason. from someone else. A guy that he found on LinkedIn. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I but, mean, what's fascinating is like for me understanding the whole sneaker yeah. flipping business yeah. and all the things that are surrounding that are mind-boggling. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. to me, I can't even. Well, listen, su- supply demand. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, I'm walking through the South Florida Fair two weeks ago. And they got all these Beanie Babies. Yeah. And my sister, who was visiting, starts laughing because she had a collection of all the rare that used to and, be all hot, the, right? and all the special so-called and whatnot. And her friend, Bobby Joe, <laughs> that's her name, <laughs> Italian girl, Roberta Joe Lutzi, she sold hers at the height of it. And she got like $14,000 or something off these wow. Beanie Babies. These things are completely worthless now. Yeah. They're not worth the uh, polyester they, they they're stitched in. The, right. right. Because that's the, the sneaker thing, will pro- the market will fluctuate, obviously. Right. But uh, there's a real place for it. And via social media and internet connectivity, now you see a pair that nobody else has. This guy's got, how do I get my hands on? I don't even get it. They don't wear them, though. They don't don't need to. They're not worn. Put them in a closet. Your people that collect fine art, what do they do? But you display it. Okay, well, these folks sometimes display and lose sight. I I guess. They do. It's it's art. It's the habit. But it really is entrepreneurial, to your point. You know, if someone's 18 years, 17 years old, and they're thinking they're making thirty grand a month. They're an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, it's 
Well, if you're, if you're 17 years old and you're on LinkedIn looking for a man saying, excuse me, Mr. Thompson may have a moment of your time. Right. I mean, you know, you know what I'm you, saying? You've done yeah. a good job of promoting you in that space, you as a mentor, you as somebody who's been there and done that. Yeah. You know, so you've done a great job doing that, which led to your accelerator. Yeah. Or? So game playing, you became an accelerator. We ran it up in uh, during the Pro Bowl up in Orlando last weekend, and uh, we brought in 12 startups from all different phases. I call them startups and start overs because we had a couple of gray hair guys in there. <laughs> I like start over. Yeah, start overs, right? So everybody never has a start late, over. Right? No, never too late. So this, there's a couple guys who came in and said, hey, I got it. One guy bought the rights to Kiss Cam. Really? He bought the IP to Kiss Cam. He like was, in all the stadiums? Yeah, this is an oil and, uh, oil and gas guy from Texas or f- from Denver. And he bought it about five years ago and he hasn't figured out how to monetize it. So he came in and he said, I'm, you know, I, I got this, I got this brand. I'm like, well, teams don't need you because they're going to run it anyway. So right. how do you do it? And I said, dude, you got to get it into NBA 2K. You got to get into a video game because then you can license it back to them. Then you get a little percentage off nice. of every game. And he's like, oh, my gosh. I think that's, that's the a, kind of stuff wow. that happens yeah. at the accelerator. Yeah. Place. So the accelerator is more than just getting up in a shark tank kind of thing that everybody's doing. So I brought in two angel investors that were people that I've known in the industry for a while. And I, I brought him in for two days. We did up the USTA over at Lake Nona, which is spectacular. I love Lake Nona. Uh, it's beautiful, right? And um, so we did it over two and a half days. The first day we talked, we just did a panel discussion about what's it like, what, it, what are investors looking for? Are they looking for the jockey or the horse? What are they looking for? They're looking for the story. Are they betting on that person? So they just wanted to ease their mind. And the next day we went into mental um, health and mental wellness as an entrepreneur, like you have a routine that you talk about your, you know, your fitness and your mental weight. It has to be. It, it has to be. And everybody that's, that I have found in that space that are, that are successful, it, it, it is definitely part of it, the mental part of it. Like, do they do yoga? Do they meditate? Do they jump in cold pools? Like, what do they do? Drink heavily. Right. Well, that too. <laughs> that's, that's your, that's your routine. <laughs> yeah. That's, that has been mine for years. So anyway, so we brought in someone in that space that did meditation and said, listen, this has got to be part of it, right? You're going to deal with anxiety, all these things. So we did that. Um, we did a bunch of other panels that some people that uh, I advised before came in. They're younger, younger folks. Five years later, they came in and said, this is what Rob helped me do. And um, then we had a demo day and out of the 12, two got some funding. Amen. So, yeah. I think the takeaway from today is uh, how much anxiety can your balls take? Yes. You know what? That's it's probably the, the best line exactly. of all here today. 94 shows. Yeah. Uh, that was a fast 31 minutes. Oh, my God. And it's all over. And then we're already in a, but we're in overtime oh, as good. we speak. Right. Right. Sorry. Rob Thompson. Yeah. Senior Director, Athletic Development, University of New Haven. Yeah. More information via Steve on your yeah, we'll, social we'll media platforms. We'll post all your stuff. And, yeah. and we'll post you know, accordingly. It's great. Appreciate the, the time. Thanks, man. This awesome. was good. Yeah. Appreciate you being with us. Yeah. Stevie, as we wrap it up, number 93, and boy, this one did go fast. Uh, as we always do, why don't you tell us something good? It's February. You can right? drink again. And I can drink again. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was just thinking so, that. You know, the, the takeaway, the good news is, is that I challenge myself all the time with 30-day challenges, Yeah. you know, just to prove I can do it. Not drinking in January is not easy to do. I did have a lot of camaraderie. It seems like dry January is a thing now, yeah. you know, and I was glad I did it. And uh, my first martini knocked me on my ass. Because your so, tolerance needs to be So built. I'm back, but you know what? Just like everything else, I proved I 
don't have to drink all the time. Yeah. So I well, won't for a while. Speak for yourself. For you. I'm really. <laughs> well, rehab is for quitters. So our thanks again to Rob Thompson for joining us. And uh, listen, want to do it for 94? We're getting closer to the it's century. Good, and yeah. Let's do that. You'll Steve, be part of the 100. Oh, Indeed. Love it. The party to follow. For Steve Nittleberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.